Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Death in the Windy City. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. Wednesday, September 29th, 1982, 12-year-old Mary Kellerman of Oak Grove, Illinois, woke up with a cold and a bad headache. Concerned, her parents told her to stay home from school, take a Tylenol, and get a little rest. It was the start of a normal student sick day, and the Kellermans went about their own day as their daughter entered the bathroom to grab the Tylenol. Says Mary's father, Dennis Kellerman, I heard the door close. Then I heard something drop. I went to the bathroom door. I called, Mary, are you okay? There was no answer. I called again. Mary, are you okay? There was still no answer. So I opened the bathroom door and my little girl was on the floor unconscious. She was still in her pajamas. In a matter of hours, Mary would be pronounced dead at 9.56 a.m. at Alexian Brothers Medical Center. Though the cause of Mary's death was initially unknown, it would be the first in a series of heartbreaking and mysterious homicides that would change the pharmaceutical industry, federal labeling laws, and even Halloween forever. Today, we're talking about the infamous Chicago Tylenol murders. So that same day, September 29th, just a few hours after Mary Kellerman is pronounced dead, in another suburb of Chicago called Arlington Heights, someone else is taking a sick day. His name was Adam Janice. He was a 27-year-old postal worker who stayed home because he felt a cold coming on. When Janice went to pick up his kids from preschool, he stopped at a jewel drugstore to get some Tylenol. Janice and his kids arrived at home, had some lunch, and then Janice popped two Tylenol and went to lay down. But a couple minutes later, Adam Janice staggers out of the bedroom and into the kitchen and collapses. When the paramedics arrive, they try to resuscitate him, but they just can't. His death is said to be caused by a massive heart attack. Says Thomas Kim, the medical director of the Northwest Community Hospital ICU, quote, Our first job is to resuscitate, and we couldn't even do that. His heart just would not resuscitate. I signed Janice out as probably a cardiac death. I was talking to his family, trying to explain what had happened. It's hard even if you know the diagnosis. I was trying to tell them we didn't know why. Of course, Adam Janice's relatives, his 25-year-old brother Stanley, and Stanley's 19-year-old wife Teresa are heartbroken and traumatized. Gathering at Adam Janice's house with their other brother Joe, Stanley asked his wife to grab some Tylenol for his chronic back pain. She does, giving her husband two pills, and soon after, she takes two herself. Quote, Stanley just fell down, Joe Janice remembered, and when he fell, this white stuff was coming out from his mouth. His eyes turned backwards. Minutes later, Teresa would collapse and be administered CPR. 
Confused and alarmed, even more paramedics flooded the house. Stanley and Teresa were rushed to the hospital, but they would not live. Meanwhile, 27-year-old Mary Lynn Reiner is at home in Winfield, Illinois. She has just given birth to her fourth child, and she didn't feel well, took some Tylenol, and collapsed. At 6.30 p.m., 31-year-old Mary McFarland is working at an Illinois Bell store in Lombard, Chicago, and tells coworkers she has a bad headache. She takes a Tylenol, and within minutes, she's on the floor. At 9.30 p.m., a 35-year-old flight attendant for United Airlines named Paula Prince has just completed a flight from Las Vegas to O'Hare. She stops at a Walgreens at 1601 North Wells Street to buy some Tylenol. She is found dead in her apartment three days later, an open bottle of Tylenol still in the bathroom vanity. Nobody knows the Tylenol connection just yet, but Helen Jensen, the public health nurse for Arlington Heights, is doing her own in-depth investigation into the Janus family. To her, it made absolutely no sense that three healthy young people would just die from heart attacks, one after the other. So she kind of calls bullshit and goes to the Janus house to investigate herself. She says in a Chicago Magazine article, quote, I found a bottle of Tylenol and there were six capsules missing and three people dead. In my mind, it had to be something to do with the Tylenol. Of course, there was no protective sealing on this or any over-the-counter drugs. They just had cotton tucked in there. So Jensen goes to meet with Northwest community officials. Helen Jensen continues, quote, We took the bottle with us. I plopped the bottle down at the hospital and says, this is the cause. And of course, nobody would believe me. And I stamped my feet. They said, oh, no, it couldn't be. It couldn't be. Thomas Kim is one of the dissenters at the hospital. But to be fair, he's pretty confused himself. He really only thinks one thing can kill people so rapidly without real traces of it in their system or on them. And that is cyanide. The question is, where did the cyanide come from? But before he can really ask that, he needs to make sure his hypothesis is correct. So he sends samples of blood to a lab that specifically tests for cyanide. There are really only a few in the area, which shows you how rare this circumstance might be at this time and place in history. Meanwhile, detectives gather the evidence at the Janice and Kellerman scenes, the one constant being the Tylenol bottles, which is also lucky because the Tylenol bottles could have been easily overlooked. Remember, a lot of these deaths are attributed to cardiac arrest. Says Nick Pichos with Cook County's Medical Examiner's Office, quote, When I got the Tylenol bottles, I looked and saw the control numbers were the same. I reported back to the Medical Examiner's Office and I said, look, everything here is different except this. Both have Tylenol bottles and they both have the same control number, MC2880. With the Deputy Medical Examiner Edmund Donahue on the phone, Pichos grabbed the two bottles of Tylenol. Carefully, Donahue tells Pichos to smell them. Says Pichos, quote, I opened them up and looked inside. I poured them out. Nothing looked out of the ordinary. Everything was capsules. However, as I was pouring them out of the bottles, I could tell there was a strong smell of almonds. And then I opened the second bottle and I said, you know, the first one smells like the second one, almonds. As a note, between 20 and 40% of the population cannot smell cyanide, which is supposed to have, like Pichot says, a strong, kind of a bitter almond smell. So it's very lucky that he could smell this at all. As the truth sunk in, at the same time, Donoghue and Pichot said one word, cyanide. On that note, let's take a break. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, hello, how are you? Hello. How are you doing? Hello, hello, hello. What's going on? Whew. How are we? I can't answer that for you. I don't know. How How? how are on. you? Hold on. I Be specific. I think they are <laughs> happy to be here. Uh-huh. No place they'd rather be. Oh, that's good to hear. Is that true, you guys? And no, no, take my word for it. I'm getting a, yeah, okay. wow. I'm getting a message. Get a psychic re- <laughs> getting a psychic read. Am I paying you by the minute? Also getting a message that mm. we want to say thank you to anyone who's listening. Oh. Spreading the good word of Ghost Town. Mm. Just being filled with the spirit of Ghost Town. Mm. That sounds exhilarating. Yeah. It's something like I want to give someone my money. Speaking of... <laughs> <laughs> not not only giving, not taking our uh-huh. government. Oh, yeah. We got some mayors with their third eye wide <laughs> open, man. Nice. Charlie Gilbert. Hello. With fully aligned chakras. Nice. The mind chakra, the heart chakra, mm-hmm. the other chakra. <laughs> cool. Ashley Matson. Hello. And completely transcendent (laughs) just not of this world or the other somewhere in the middle just like floating back and forth just got into that place the veil of life and the afterlife because they ran out of things to binge they watched all their shows so they're just like i'll just just fucking mm, straddle fucking universes mm -hmm. why not cat joselle hello and our governor who goes by many names Many well, names to sure. many different people. Everyone has a name for this <laughs> being, not even being, doing, being, uh-huh. living. A state of mind. Has always been here, is never here all at once. It's very confusing when you're trying to Will be here before and after. Has plenty to watch, binge watch, because it's very, very busy. <laughs> I like the metaphysical plus binge watching elements of this psychic experience of our patreon subscribers is great you talk to this person in your i don't know in your meditation in your prayer or just when you look at a leaf and you're like huh what's a leaf (laughs) this is the person you are talking to our governor Avian Noble. So if you want no ads, no chit chat, just the mind body connection, mm-hmm. you want bonus episodes, you don't want to waste any time, you yeah. head on over to patreon.com slash ghost town pod. You can do seven day free trial. 
got a couple more mm-hmm. people signed up for the seven day free trial. Hey, listen, you can come for the trial, listen to some bonus episodes, yeah. and then be like, I'm not interested. See Go you later. Hog wild. Whatever. Do it. Yeah. It's for you to use. Patreon said, hey, you can give people seven days for free. There's probably like 70 bonus episodes and then all almost all of our episodes without ads or chit chat. So God, what a relief. There's a lot. I know. You can use those episodes to meditate too if you want, especially the darker one. I mean, like you want transcendent? Just give it a try. Yeah. Or if you just mm. want to listen to like a a, a, a mediocre mid-podcast, <laughs> that's this as well. Yeah. Head good. on over. Patreon.com slash Ghost Town Pod. Shall we get back to Chicago where people are trying to make the connections between Tylenol and a mysterious string of deaths? We are back to September 30th, 1982. It is 1 a.m. the day after many of these murders. The lab reports of the Janice and Kellerman blood work are coming in. The blood work shows that all the victims have ingested a massive amount of cyanide, a hundred or a thousand times more than was necessary to kill them. Of course, the case and its subsequent developments were all over the news in the 24 hours since the Kellerman death. About 10 in the morning on September 30th, an attorney from Johnson & Johnson, Tylenol's parent company, showed up at Donoghue's office wanting to know if, you know, they should do anything. And if they had the time to like make any connection between their beloved product and these horrific deaths, says Donahue, quote, we took him up to the lab and the toxicologist explained what we had found. He was there about a half an hour and left and he could see once we found cyanide and Tylenol, there was no way we could not release that information. Later that day, a press conference was held and nurse Helen Jensen's official suspicions were validated. When she saw the press conference from the medical examiner's office, she immediately called the police department and said, you've got to get Tylenol off the shelves. Apparently, local police had missed the broadcast of the press conference entirely and didn't believe Jensen. But she demanded it, and eventually they made some calls and recalled all Tylenol products in the area. Soon, Johnson & Johnson made the announcement themselves that recalled all Tylenol from lot MC2880, graciously offering to exchange all Tylenol capsules already purchased by the public for solid tablets. After the recall, authorities also realized that the tainted capsules had been manufactured at two different locations, Pennsylvania and Texas, both far away from Chicago, suggesting that the bottles were tampered with after the product was placed in Chicago-area drugstores for sale. The working police hypothesis was that someone had taken the bottles off the shelves in local stores, put potassium cyanide in some of the capsules, and then put the packages back on the shelves. In addition to the five bottles that led to the victims' deaths, a few other contaminated bottles were later discovered in the Chicago area during the whole process of the recall. It was around that time that flight attendant Paula Prince is found, and blood work is done on her body as well. Again, cyanide, lots and lots of cyanide, is found in her blood. Of course, with all of this devastating news rolling in, Chicago and its suburbs are in full panic mode, which is an appropriate response. They don't know how many people will die. They don't know what is out there, what products to buy and not buy. There's paranoia, and again, for good reason. And everyone needs to know, first and foremost, to stop taking and buying Tylenol. On Monday, October 4th, just five days after the deaths start, the Chicago City Council passes an ordinance requiring tamper-resistant packaging for all drugs sold in stores. It happened that quick, which is amazing, in my opinion. Sometimes government can actually move. Just sometimes, though. The next day, Johnson & Johnson recalled all Tylenol products nationwide. That was, at the time, 31 million bottles valued at more than $100 million. 
The FBI and U.S. Attorney's Office also got involved in the investigation, with hundreds of individuals investigating the case and its leads. And yes, as you might imagine, there are lots of leads in the weeks after the poisonings. According to Assistant U.S. Attorney Jeremy Margolis, quote, Were there leads? Thousands. Barrels of leads. The phones were ringing off the hook. Hotlines were set up. People were calling all day and night with leads, some meaningful, some preposterous. A hundred officers and agents were running themselves ragged, trying to make rational sense of the information being dumped, like drinking from a fire hose. And the whole country, the world really, was watching the case unfold. It was terrifying. A product people trusted really did turn on them. But the question was, who would do this and why? Investigators first turned to ex-Johnson & Johnson employees, with the rationale that maybe one of them was upset and wanted to lash out at the company via the public. But this avenue grew cold pretty quickly. Said one investigator, quote, The distressing thing is that there were a number of people who had absolutely nothing to do with the offense and were sorry that they didn't. They wished that they had. Then, on October 6, 1982, a letter arrives at Johnson & Johnson demanding $1 million to stop the Tylenol killings. The police eventually traced the letter to a man named James Lewis in New York City. It seemed like the break the case needed. He was apprehended in December for extortion, but frustratingly, nobody could pin him to the actual tampering of the medicine. Still, officials have varying degrees of belief that he was, in fact, involved. Said a Chicago superintendent, quote, It wasn't James Lewis. James Lewis was an asshole, an opportunist. He tried to extort some money from Johnson & Johnson, and he went to jail. He was in the joint a long time. When someone is in the penitentiary, you can go and talk to them, with or without their lawyer present. In all those years, all the work on James Lewis to put together, and nothing. Said August Locallo, lieutenant with the Chicago Police Department, quote, I was the top man in violent crimes. Lewis had lived in Chicago, and that's why they zeroed in on my unit. He was in custody in New York, and I was assigned to go to New York to interview him. Basically, the FBI had him in custody. By the time we got to New York, he had his attorney and he would not talk to us. This was a futile effort. He's a con man, strictly a con man, and he'll do anything to get his goal. I really believed he might have killed somebody, but they couldn't put anything on him. Lewis eventually admitted to sending the letter to the manufacturer of Tylenol, of course. He went to prison, but he said he was trying to exploit the crisis and continued to deny that he had anything to do with the deaths. Two other suspects emerged. Roger Arnold, who was identified, investigated very publicly and cleared of the killings, but after so much media attention around the case, Arnold suffered a nervous breakdown and blamed his mental state on a bar owner named Marty Sinclair. The next year, Arnold shot and killed a man who he mistook for Sinclair, was found guilty, and served 15 years of his 30-year prison sentence. On Wednesday, October 20th, another press conference was held, essentially saying that investigators knew nothing more than they did when the first murder took place, and that they didn't believe the case would ever be solved. Of course, this was not really true— and just served to get the terrified public even more terrified and more angry. Five days later, the investigation's task force was reduced from 115 to about 40 investigators. The investigation was essentially wrapping up. But of course, more would unfold, but not without Johnson & Johnson somehow coming out of this looking like heroes. Media outlets applauded the company for being honest with the public, issuing a recall and quickly combining forces with the Chicago Police Department, the FBI, and the Food and Drug Administration. In November 1982, Johnson & Johnson also reintroduced Tylenol capsules in a new triple-sealed package, coupled with heavy price promotions. Guess what, everyone? Johnson & Johnson turned out to be okay. That Halloween, however, was anything but okay. 
and it was not particularly fun for kids, as concern over tampered candy was an unexpected effect of the Tylenol murders. Communities strongly discouraged trick-or-treating that Halloween, reaching not just Chicago, but New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Massachusetts. Candy sales were down that year by more than 20%, but worse would be the others who would die based on copycat offenses. In May 1988, a Winnetka, Illinois man named Lori Dan poisoned and shot a number of people in a rampage and was briefly made a suspect, but no direct connection was found. More copycat deaths occurred from 1986 to 1991 in New York, Texas, and Washington State from painkillers laced with cyanide. Also in 1986, Procter & Gamble's and Capron was recalled after a spiking hoax occurring in areas of Chicago and Detroit. Let's fast forward to around the 25th anniversary of the Chicago Tylenol murders. That would be January 2009. A new special task force was formed to look back into the case. After all, there were many advancements in recent technology, and it seemed like the right thing to do. So they went back to James Lewis, who was out of prison since 1995 and living in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Police took DNA, searched his home, and seized some of his belongings. And, upon review, the Department of Justice investigators concluded that Lewis was responsible for the poisonings, despite the fact that they did not have enough evidence to charge him. But Lewis told a Boston news outlet, quote, If the FBI plays it fair, I have nothing to worry about. And I guess he didn't, because he is still free and stands by his denial that he was the mastermind of the poisonings. But that is not all. Just to cover their bases, on May 19, 2011, the FBI requested DNA samples from the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski to see if he was behind the Tylenol murders, using the logic that the first four Unabomber crimes happened from 1978 to 1980, and Kaczynski's parents had a suburban Chicago home where he'd stay occasionally. But Kaczynski denied ever having possessed potassium cyanide, and he was cleared of that crime. To this day, the case officially remains unsolved, open, and active. Of course, its effect is still prevalent. Says a firefighter who worked on the case, quote, I personally think that the person or persons involved in this, my gut feeling was that their purpose was to bring the United States to its knees. Look at the power we have. We can shut down the entire country. We can control the world. And for a short period of time, they did. In today's world, it would be domestic terrorism. We didn't have that terminology back then, but it was actually the first case of domestic terrorism in the country. Let's not end on a total low note, though, because the Chicago Tylenol murders inspired some good things to happen to mass manufacturing, including developing tamper-resistant packaging and better quality control. After 1982... Also, product tampering was made a federal crime. Also, and in general, this made the pharmaceutical industry move away from capsule packaging, which as you'd imagine was very easy to manipulate, especially without the kind of annoying seals on meds we've now come to tolerate and expect. And that is the still active case of the Chicago Tylenol murders. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.